Volume One, Chapter Five of Bungay Castle by Elizabeth Bonhote. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patty Cunningham. It was the intention of Bertrand to open the door of the subterranean passage which communicated with Mettingham Castle but before they proceeded far something rushed past them several times it was rapid and their candle threw so feeble a light on the walls which surrounded them that they could not discover what it was they hurried on till they came to the square leading to the dungeons when their attention was arrested and their fears increased by the barking of a dog they hesitated looked with astonishment at each other and stopped as if irresolute whether to return or proceed in the meanwhile the little animal made its appearance jumped and capered about as it rejoiced at seeing them in its dreary habitation and attached itself particularly to roseline and seemed to recognize an old and beloved friend roseline took it up in her arms kissed and caressed it but how to account for meeting with so beautiful fond and gentle a creature was not only a matter of surprise but wonder are you sure sister said edwin slyly glancing a look at the pale face and trembling lips of the terrified madeline are you sure it is a real dog may it not be one of the ghosts who in such various shapes are said to haunt these gloomy regions and disturb the peaceful slumbers of young maidens born perhaps two hundred years after they had left the world this gentle reproof restored the roses to the fair cheek from which fear had driven them while Rosaline declared it was really and truly the prettiest dog she had ever seen. Bertrand had looked thoughtful, agitated, and confused from the moment it appeared. "'This dog must have a master,' said Edwin, "'and that master must be somewhere near these cells.' "'Perhaps,' said Bertrand, "'some daring villain may have found entrance here, either with the hopes of plunder, or to accomplish designs against the castle.' let us therefore for the present give up attempting to explore the passage it might be dangerous to unfasten a door which is now our security had we not better call for help said the again terrified madeline not for the world interrupted edwin how should we be able to account to my mother for being in this place without burdening her mind with ten thousand suspicions while telling her our reasons would most assuredly expose our venerable companion to the certain displeasure of my father do you said he addressing bertrand know if there is any one a prisoner at this time the old man hesitated i know but little i apprehend it may be so but i-i hope you will excuse my talking on a subject that-that it must assuredly be so said roseline softly to her brother and from that cause proceeded the noise which so repeatedly alarmed us again every one stood for a moment irresolute edwin however fearful of bringing his father's anger on bertrand and scorning to tempt the old man to betray a trust reposed in him or any secret belonging to another instantly formed his resolution to act with the utmost caution he proposed to his sister and madeline to return to their apartment as soon as bertrand had pointed out the passage which led to the nunnery on being shown the door which might one day enable him to meet his madeline and open to give him a gleam of happiness roseline snatched up the little dog pressed him to her bosom and vowed to release him from captivity as soon as they had reached their own apartment bertrand after promising eternal secrecy took a respectful leave edwin accompanied him to his room then returned to his sisters and proposed instantly renewing their search 
this is doing nothing said he all is still left to conjecture and uncertainty if you mean to go again said madeline why did you suffer bertrand to leave us from respect to my father and regard to the old man he replied for should we my dear madeline make any discovery of consequence with us the secret will rest secure and should we be found out on ourselves alone will fall the displeasure of sir philip but by this procedure we empower no one either to betray his secrets or our own we will however carry back with us this little stranger continued he pointing to the dog who was sleeping on a cushion which roseline had placed for him before the fire and when we set him down we will follow wherever he may choose to lead us if he be attached to any miserable being confined in one of the cells or dungeons we may depend upon his returning to his usual habitation once more the trap-door was lifted up once more the party descended into regions like those of the grave while the mouldering walls glittering with the dews of night and rendered humid with the unwholesome damps of the situation hung loose and disjointed over their heads as if to threaten instant destruction turning into a passage which led to a contrary direction to that they had before entered and which was somewhat wider and less dismal than the other roseline sat down the dog who ran nimbly away as if well acquainted with the path they followed with the utmost caution observing a profound silence the dog went before them the whole length of the passage then turned suddenly down a few steps at the bottom of which a door stood half open he rushed in and appeared to them to stop at some distance instantly they heard him growl and bark and this determined them to proceed they passed through two small apartments decently furnished and just as they reached an inner door at which the dog had demanded admittance they saw it slowly open and a faint voice appeared to chide the guiltless wanderer for his long long absence and then to caress him with fondness edwin knowing if he hesitated to proceed the fears of his companions would increase by the delay gently tapped at the door for a minute all was silent then he gave some louder raps the same person very soon opened the door of whom they had caught a transient glimpse when he had granted admittance to the dog he was evidently alarmed and in tremulous and terrified accents inquired who was there what was the matter and what errand brought them at the same time brandishing a sword which he had hastily snatched from a chair which stood near him whoever you are continued he that have found a way to this den of misery you may safely enter unless you come to add farther oppressions and inflict additional woes on the head of an injured and guiltless sufferer if you come with such diabolical intentions be assured of this i will no longer be a passive or silent spectator of such unheard-of barbarity but give up a life in his defence which cruelty has rendered a worthless sacrifice forego then your designs and know he will not long be either a burden or reproach to his unnatural parent and sordid oppressors we come with no design to injure or oppress said edwin we inhabit this castle and were led by the curiosity incidental to youth into these horrid regions chance conducted us into these apartments without knowing they were inhabited we wish not to alarm or interrupt any one but of this be assured if you will inform us how we can serve you or render your situation more comfortable we will gladly contribute all in our power to do so your countenance does not appear stamped with guilt and your determination to protect the injured speaks a noble mind the sword was instantly laid down 
the door flew open and they were requested to enter by one who told him his life and courage were only valuable so long as they would enable him to watch and protect the best and most beloved of masters reader guess if it be possible the surprise and astonishment of our trembling and compassionate adventurers when they beheld an elegant young man whose countenance was as prepossessing as his situation was interesting wrapped in a striped satin morning-gown which reached to his feet with his hair hanging in graceful ringlets and nearly concealing a face pale as death lying on a kind of couch and to all appearance in the last stage of consumption on the entrance of edwin he took but little notice but on seeing roseline and her friend advance he looked up and attempted to rise but was not equal to the effort and instantly sunk down in a state of apparent insensibility roseline more agitated and terrified by the whole of this unaccountable and affecting scene than she would have been at the sight of a ghost she had almost expected to meet flew to support him she was assisted by edwin and madeline and their united endeavours soon restored the poor sufferer to life and an imperfect sense of his situation having now no longer any fears he fixed his large blue eyes on the strangers wondered from whence they came how all this could happen and to what blessed chance it was owing that he saw himself attended and consoled by two celestial beings for as such he actually considered them while the pure drops of genuine and the gentlest pity fell softly on his emaciated hand he raised the precious gems of compassion to his lips sighed deeply then looking earnestly in the face of roseline with a smile of doubt and anguish once more sunk down in a state of insensibility unable to bear the weight of his own agitated and contending feelings the attendant who had strictly observed the whole of this extraordinary scene now approached to assist in recovering his master edwin hastened to his sister's apartment to procure proper restoratives they were applied with their usual success and the change they produced gave new life and spirits to all around particularly roseline who concluded they arrived merely to witness his dying moments and to hear him breathe his last sigh she was still supporting his languid head on her knee his hand rested on her arm his eyes were fixed upon her face his lips moved and the words kind consoling angel were all they could understand what can this mean said edwin who is your master who brought him here and of what crime has he been guilty that he is sentenced to such a place as this i am bound replied the servant by the most solemn oath to silence and secrecy by complying with these conditions i obtained leave to attend him were i at liberty to speak i could a tale unfold would tempt you to curse the world and even detest those claims which bind man to man you would be ready to forego the ties of nature and shun society time will it must develop the whole of this mystery but my father said edwin your father sir like my dear unhappy master is blameless and innocent he has been deceived like many others but why cried roseline are you thus shut out from the world and banished society why if innocent is not this poor sufferer placed in a situation more likely to restore him to health why thus cruelly deprived not only of liberty light and air but of every other necessary comfort a higher power has willed it should be so said the stranger whose unreserved manner superior language honest and open countenance found an instant passport to their hearts confirmed their belief 
and banished every suspicious doubt of his sincerity are you involved in the crimes of which this gentleman is suspected inquired madeline no madam my only crime is my attachment to him i am here by my own voluntary choice and were they to convey him a thousand fathoms deeper in the earth i would not unless i were compelled ever leave him till his noble and guiltless soul was summoned to appear before a more just and merciful tribunal than he has found on earth a thousand blessings on you cried roseline a tear trembling in each expressive eye for showing this care and godlike compassion to one so helpless and oppressed brother surely we may without deserving reproach unite our endeavours with those of this friendly stranger to soften the pangs of misery and death be they inflicted by whom they may you ought to do so cried the lovely madeline whose gentle spirit was awakened into action by the scene before her as fellow-creatures and the children of the same almighty parent it is our duty to assist each other but we should do more not remain coldly indifferent to sufferings which if we cannot entirely remove we may in some measure alleviate and we will do so cried the generous and animated edmund you too my honest fellow turning to the servant shall share our kind offices you deserve the thanks of every good christian and to be immortalized for your faithful attachment to one so helpless and unable to reward you but how is this observing the invalid had sunk into a gentle and quiet sleep like the peaceful slumber of an infant this has been the case for some weeks his spirits depressed by the corroding anguish which preys upon his mind his body has become a victim to the conflict and the soul of my master will soon by quitting this earthly tenement escape the farther persecution of his enemies much much as i love him i should rejoice at his release the words trembled on his tongue and the tear of manly compassion rolled down his cheek has he no one to attend him said roseline looking at him with eyes that beamed with all the heavenly animation which at that moment throbbed around her heart has he no advice only such as i can give him madam poor and ignorant as i am he has never been allowed any other physician or better tutor than myself but i trust if the almighty would again restore him to health he would now meet with those who would assist in performing a task for which i was never calculated has he no bed to sleep on cried roseline gently removing his languid head upon a cushion that laid on the couch without awakening him there is one in the inner apartment but this being the most comfortable and airy room he will not leave it i will fetch some pillows she did so they were instantly placed under his head still he slept as if he were never to awake again in the morning said roseline at the foot of the stairs which you will find by turning to the left at the end of this passage i will leave some few trifles and comfortable cordials which i hope will be of service and to-morrow night at about this time you may expect us again said edwin i hope your master will then have shaken off this death-like slumber and be able to converse with us perhaps he may replied albert the name of this faithful servant but he never talks much i had taught him to read but they took away our books and since that time i am afraid he has lost the remembrance of the little knowledge he had of reading he has lately learned to play a few simple tunes on the lute that sometimes amuses him we will bring you some books said roseline and surely edwin you and i can assist albert in the delightful task of restoring by friendship what has been lost by cruelty 
albert informed them they were regularly served with their meals but never saw the person who brought them all intercourse with any one being forbidden to prevent the possibility of discovery or escape but he said they had better food and more indulgences than had been allowed them in their former prison which consisted of only one room the party now retired with the utmost caution lest they should disturb the apparently peaceful slumbers of the prisoner and deprive him of his only refuge from misery before they parted roseline and her brother actuated by the same generous feelings in behalf of this unfortunate young man and his equally unfortunate companion satisfied should there be found anything in their conduct to condemn which they could not bring themselves to think in their present situation there was much to pity resolved to unite in their endeavours of relieving their miseries and softening the rigours of a confinement of which they knew not the cause but they were told the object who had most excited their compassion was innocent and therefore they determined to think him so till his own conduct or an explanation from any other quarter proved him otherwise it is true they had nothing on which to found their belief but the word of a stranger and him they found in the humble capacity of a servant but though a stranger he had by his simple modest and unaffected language given ample proofs in their opinion of his sincerity they now left the cells and retired instantly to bed dreamed of the prisoner and sometimes imagined they could distinguish his groans in fact they thought and talked of him and him only early in the morning roseline carried every little nicety she could procure and left them at the foot of the stairs then hurried back to her room not daring to stop and make inquiries lest the person who supplied the object of her pity with his daily food should discover and betray her benevolent designs madeline was now making a rapid progress in her recovery and was every hour in fear of receiving a summons from the abbess to return to the nunnery edwin participated in all her fears and lamented in the language of tender affection the cruel necessity which compelled her to leave the castle protesting neither walls nor vows should long divide them and swearing to release her from a situation which though sanctioned by religion only bigotry superstition and priestcraft could justify which he knew would not only destroy all his prospects of happiness but as he could not disbelieve the fascinating hopes he had not absolutely been forbidden to cherish the happiness also of a beloved object dearer to him than life without whom fortune honour prosperity and youth would be robbed of all their value the next day accompanied by bertrand edwin stole by another entrance into the lower recesses of the castle not mentioning a word of the prisoner and carefully avoiding that quarter in which he was confined they first explored the subterraneous passage leading to the nunnery and found fewer impediments in their way than they expected they easily gained an entrance into the chapel having fixed upon an hour when they knew all the fathers and nuns would be engaged in their cells they found the opening under the organ and in that part of the chapel appropriated to the use of the nuns the door being concealed from observation by a very curious tomb belonging to the ancient family of de G they entered next the passage leading to mettingham castle and determined to see the whole of it here they met with many difficulties in some places huge stones had fallen from the walls in others the archway was so low they were almost obliged to crawl while toads snakes and various kinds of reptiles impeded their progress when at length they reached the end of this wonderful labyrinth 
the production of labour and art, they found themselves close to the Ballingham of Mettingham Castle, and under a strong machiolated and embattled gate. They now discovered another short passage, which was terminated by a door that opened to the outer Ballium, and through which the cavalry could sally in any case of emergency. They ventured cautiously to look around them. Edwin's mind, however, was chiefly occupied by one dear object, and he secretly rejoiced at having found the means of escaping with Madeline, should the obstinacy of her parents, or the ambition of his own, leave him no other resource. He likewise, in the course of the day, but unaccompanied by any one, opened the door on the staircase leading to the south tower. He felt a kind of repugnance at taking this step, but determined, as matters were now circumstanced, to go through the whole of this unpleasant business at once, that nothing might be left to conjecture. He also recollected that it would not only put an end to that restless curiosity which had long dwelt upon his mind, but enable him to judge whether it would be possible to remove the dying prisoner into a more airy and convenient room, without the hazard of discovery. This wing of the castle he knew was totally unoccupied, as in his boyish days he had frequently and at all times gone that way to the ramparts to lodge his playthings in a secret apartment in one of the highest towers, and never in his peregrination had met with a human being. On attempting first to open the door, he was a good deal startled at the noise it occasioned, and was almost buried beneath the heap of cobwebs and dirt which fell and enveloped him in a cloud of dust. Some birds, too, that had here found a sage asylum, flew in terror around him. Not willing to disturb them more than was necessary, he unfastened a narrow casement to give those opportunity of escaping who wished to obtain their liberty. He then stole softly and cautiously across the room to an opposite door, which opened without any difficulty, and he entered a second apartment, much larger and more commodious than the first. It was hung with ancient tapestry, on which time and moth had made many depredations, but in some parts of it the full-length figures remained perfect, and the colours retained some of their beautiful shades. He soon discovered that it represented the most striking and interesting scenes in the well-known history of Hero and Leander, from his first seeing her in the temple of Venus at Seftos in Thrace, till the last closing scene of their unfortunate loves. The figures of the lovers were fine, and in excellent preservation, and the tapestry was of so superior a kind that it gave as full force and expression to the faces and drapery as the finest painting could have conveyed. The temple, the palace, the turret, and the hellespont, upon whose waves the rising and setting sun were alternately reflected, with the downy swan in snowy dignity, which was seen laving on its bosom, were admirably depicted. The nurse or attendant of the faithful hero stood at full length on the edge of the water, which gently undulated near the walls of the palace, pointing to the waves, and as if in the act of telling her fond, impatient mistress, her lover was coming, while she, with modest sweetness, seemed fearful of stealing a look at the element which contained a treasure dearer to her soul than the whole of her ambitious father's dominions. In another part he saw the lifeless body of Leander, and the despairing hero in the act of throwing herself into the Hellespont, which had unfortunately proved the grave of her lover. Edwin stood a long time silently admiring this pathetic tale. It had an instantaneous effect upon his feelings. 
it served to remind him of the difficulties he should have to encounter in his attachment to madeline and he could have kissed the senseless portrait of the old egyptian woman for her kind and faithful attentions to the persecuted lovers in the middle of the room stood a square table on which were carelessly spread a number of papers four massy silver candlesticks were likewise placed upon it each of which contained a wax candle that had never been lighted and an old writing to which was annexed a vast many seals laid folded up under them this he concluded was the mystic bond which held in captivity the restless spirit it was supposed to confine edwin opened and attempted to read it in some parts the writing was defaced and the whole of the language so unintelligible he very soon replaced it in its former situation imagining that if the ghost was not to regain its liberty till the bond could be read it would rest in peace for ever and suffer others to do the same in the chimney stood an antique grate that had once been bright and still showed some of its brilliant features through the rust by which it was enveloped a few chairs were standing here and there but they were falling to decay and then he opened another door which led him into a vaulted chamber in which were placed the tattered remains of a bed that had been handsome and could be repaired a book of devotion was lying upon it the windows were high and narrow admitting but little light notwithstanding which they were secured by iron bars of immense thickness so strongly that had they been lower it would have been impossible for the arm of the strongest man to remove or shake them this led him to conclude it was originally designed for the security of prisoners of rank its distance from the ground precluding any communication with the people on guard and he shuddered as he recollected how many like the poor prisoner in the cells might have lingered away their wretched existence in this very apartment in the hopeless expectation of meeting with a release he next carefully searched in every part of the room to discover if there was not a more secret entrance but found none he put the key into his pocket as he had before done of that trap-door and in the morning unobserved by bertrand had the precaution not to lock the door of the subterraneous passage leaving it well secured by the bolts and bars which were on the inside he now hastened to replace all the rest of the keys in the repository from whence he had taken them and was satisfied those he retained in his own possession would not be missed by his father or any one else after this he returned to join the family and said not a word of what he had seen nor the plans which floated in his own mind in consequence of the morning peregrinations he had taken End of chapter five recording by patty cunningham